4: In three, two, one.
5: The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible.
4: Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself.
5: I welcome anything that will help to protect
4: the children further. The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or
3: WhatsApp 083 396
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
3: is the Opinion Line with P. TJ Coogan
4: on Corks 96
1: FM. I trust you enjoyed your long, long spring weekend. We had a lovely time. All of us here did some nice things. Just took a break for a few days and are back refreshed and ready to go. And in the course of that few days. Some wonderful things happened for uh, Coydja. We've spoken to Coydja before. A a group of lads, uh, Irish dancing, living together in a house and just generally doing mad stuff on TikTok with massive, massive numbers of followers. They got to perform for Joe Biden. And not only did they get to perform for Joe Biden, they met him afterwards. And and Seamus, who's the Cork lad in Coydja, uh, was telling me about it. Uh, I was talking to him. Actually, they were working in Times Square yesterday, so I caught up with Seamus. I'll let you hear that a little bit later on. Also, we've got a giveaway this week, every day this week. David Gray is in Musgrave Park. Musgrave Par- By the way, what a, what a win for the under-20s in, in the Grand Slam. But uh, beside that, David Gray plays Musgrave Park in the summertime, and I have tickets every single morning today to give away. I'm going to rob Lorraine's Uh, one second song feature for the week I'm going to give you one second of David Gray and you need to identify the song alright that's also coming up plus if you if you were in the Galway Clinic uh, in July or anyone you know anyone related to was in the Galway Clinic in July of 2019 and you might have met Brendan Grace's daughter because Brendan got rest him was in that hospital at the time when he died there in July of 2019 died of cancer but his daughter met somebody from Cork in the hospital, and she's trying to reconnect with them. So I've also been speaking with Melanie, and You hear that later on this morning. But first of all, Connor Slattery is a filmmaker from Cork. I've known Connor on and off for a number of years now. He does an awful lot of work around the country, and he turns up, his name turns up in the credits of all sorts of different television programs and films and features. For example, do you remember the, the Billy Murphy scene in um, on the bus in, in Young Offenders, where the knife drops to the floor. You know that scene where the knife drops to the ground? It's f- an iconic scene from that episode. That's Connor's work. He's really, really brilliant at what he does. But Connor Slattery is off work at the moment because a job he's been on is cancelled. And he decided, just because he could, that he was going to drive to Rosl Airport and pick up a Ukrainian family and drive them to Galway. Just because he could. And he posted about it on Facebook. So I had to talk to him. Sir Connor. I read your post on on Facebook and you found yourself with nothing to do, uh, which is good, and then you decided you'd give it up and you'd go to Ross Lair and drive a family of total strangers to Galway.
5: Why? So, yeah, as as you said there, PJ, uh, the... I was kind of, I was on a, I was on a job up in Mayo in Donegal. That job was cancelled. And I was kind of, I was at home happily with, with my wife and children and, you know, spending, spending time at home. I'd be away, away a fair bit from home, so time at home is always good. But I saw, there's a an old colleague of mine, her name is Ashling Byrne. Uh, and she posted on Facebook that um, she was taking in uh, a family of Ukrainians who were caught up in the conflict and she was looking for somebody to meet them in Ross Lair over in Wexford and to drive them up to her place in, in County Galway. Um, so I kind of I saw that and I, I had seen... I, I lived in Poland for a year-ish uh, way back when. Um, and I, I had seen old Polish friends of mine who I'd, I... You know, they're, they're, they're good buddies. I'd seen them helping the... Mm the Ukrainian people um, with, with like, they're, they're, they're taking in kind of families, one or two families in in their houses. I had been watching them and, you know, the way you kind of, you just kind of wish there was something you could do mm. to help. I always kind of think that small things can be a big help, like um, an hour of your time or two hours of your time, I suppose. In my case, it was a, a day of my time, but... But I checked in two or three times um, on, on Ash's status. And there was offers of kind of uh, people who were saying they'd pay for hotels for them and mm. they could get sorted with a spin. And there was people saying they'd pay for a taxi. How much is a taxi up? And, you know, so I just I just kind of thought, PJ, that an ordinary dad going over to collect an ordinary mum and yeah. an ordinary family, essentially, would be, would be just in my in my in my mind you know would have just mm. been the best thing so mm. i kind of commented on ash's post and i said um can i can it be me please or something like that can i can i do it cuz you know i i i wanted to i really wanted to yeah and so you're saying why why did i do it yeah uh, cuz you wanted to yeah 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 um, i just think it's uh it's uh it's a nice thing to do and it you know it didn't cost me anything it cost me a day yeah so
1: you drove to there and you had no idea who they were, where they were coming from, other than any information Ashley might have given you. Is that right uh
5: when the first thing I said dashing was could, was was the mum on whatsapp um uh, because you know it's it's free to contact people on WhatsApp and it goes across all borders uh She is on WhatsApp, so I sent her a message asking her could i could I collect her in Ross lair and we messaged i think it was twice over kind of 12 hours. But I said it to Tracy, my wife, that um, I was going to pop down on the Tuesday down to Ross Lair to collect these people and she asked me did, did I want her to put it out on the, the all the mums have groups. Um, so she put up in the groups that I was doing this thing and I found, I found myself with uh, lots of toiletries and towels and changes of clothes and uh, you know, clothes for a kid. The the daughter is fourteen, and uh, there was a dog coming, so there was uh, kind of dog food and that uh, kind of just kind of stuff that you know, like a toothbrush and toothpaste. You know, that yeah. stuff that you, you stick in your bag, and it's kind of no, no matter where you are, you can always you can stick the essentials into your bag, and you're you're kind of happy out. They had none of that, you know. So it's it's like they 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 they, they were they were on the run. They literally grabbed their dog and run. Precisely. Well it's kinda it's 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 even it's more than that. Um so the mums gave me loads of things. I put them into the boot of the car, I drove to Ross Lair. I asked I asked the there was a young fella behind the customer service desk at one of the shipping companies, a car and one. And I asked him, was the the boat, the fourteen hundred boat, uh on time? Uh <clears throat> and he said he didn't know, so I I I think it wasn't their their shipping company. The people I asked uh, and I didn't know what shipping company she was coming in with to be honest with you, but the um the there was some man who heard me. He was wearing a an Euronordair and uh, jacket, an air and Gore-Tex jacket. Uh, he kind of came over and he said, "Listen, sorry, there I couldn't help but over here. Uh, the boat is due in on time, uh, and if I can help you anyway, just just let me know. You come come and find me, you know." And uh, I said, "Well, I, I I I have a load of questions, so." I asked him what the story was with immigration and he said that um, Bus Aaron were putting on buses, so the foot passengers of which my family were, they were foot passengers, they were mm. literally everyone on the hoof um, but uh, Bus Aaron were they, they had two buses on uh, and they were going to collect all the foot passengers from the boat, drive them around to the terminal, so you know, this is straight away this is uh, immediately Aaron road Aaron and Bus Aaron helping out then they were going to drive them around to the the ferry terminal. Uh, they were going to bring them upstairs in the ferry terminal in Rosslair, It's a two story building, ground floor and first floor. They were going to bring them upstairs up to immigration. Immigration came out to talk to me. They were sound out again, helping helping these people. The guards came and talked to me. Customs came and talked to me. There was civil defence people with with uh, bags of stuff. I don't know what was in the bags, um, but uh, the you know just everyone everyone was helping. It was kind of it was. It was lovely to see, yeah. It was lovely to see. Yeah. So it was all very efficient, all very expedient. They were pushed through immigration. They all got a PPS number. Um, there and then. But, uh, there and then. Wow. So my guys went in um, and I saw them going in and I introduced myself. I, said, I kind of went over, called them by name and they called me by name and I asked them, did they, did they want anything? They, they They were so exhausted that when the ferry company again more people helping the ferry company gave them a cabin so they got sleep for the first time in days proper yes. sleep um, but they slept right through breakfast um, so they said that oh we slept through breakfast and I said do, do you want a bottle of, do you, want a, do you want a sandwich or a bottle of coke or anything and the kids eyes lit up when I said bottle of coke <laughs> so I ran over and got her a bottle of coke before they were whisked upstairs and um, they went up and they came down oh man five minutes tops they were down with me uh we went out to the boot of the car. I showed them all of the all of the the welcome gifts that the the mums at the school had left, and they were they were, I suppose, emotional. Just seeing this stuff that you kind of you need stuff like you know you need clean underpants, you need a toothbrush, you need shampoo. You you that's all that's all essential stuff. You have to have that stuff. Um, and <clears throat> so I was still kind of conscious that they hadn't they hadn't had breakfast so and then I know whenever I'm whenever I'm travelling there's one thing that's always the same no matter where you go in the world that's McDonald's so (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was a McDonald's about 10 or 15 minutes from the port we popped in there and uh, they were hungry obviously having not eaten for a while they they, they had a bit of grub and then we hopped in the car and I suppose me being me um, I asked them what the what their story was so getting back to what you said there you were You said having to run straight out of the house. What happened was the mum is an architect. Right. Was working in St. Petersburg. And Putin, uh, Putin started warring with the Ukraine, started invading the Ukraine. So she's in St. Petersburg with, with, she can't get through the troops. There's like 70 kilometers of troops, uh, a column 70 kilometers long. So she got up to Helsinki in Finland as a land border. She kind of walked and bussed and got spins and taxied so her daughter is over in Dnipro in eastern Ukraine she got on a plane in Finland she got a flight over to Warsaw the next day got into is it called Kharkiv yeah Kharkiv yeah I think it's the second city or something in in Ukraine yeah then she got on a train in Kharkiv got over to Dnipro got her daughter and the dog they got on a train they had one seat on a train the three of them um and they got back to Kharkiv, back across the border into Warsaw again, into into <clears throat> Eastern Poland. Uh, Warsaw is close; it's got a border with the with the Ukraine. Mm. They went across Poland. Then I've done that myself, and it's it's a trek. Then they went across Germany. After that, another big country, and basically right right across Europe back to Cherbourg. And um, sounds very easy saying it, doesn't it? Was it buses and bus? taxis and trains, any kind of, any way they could. And all the time, it's Aisling. Aisling Byrne is kind of, she's there. And Aisling would post something like, you know, okay, my family are in France tonight. They, they need somewhere to stay because they've missed the last ferry tonight. They need somewhere to stay tonight. And I need someone to, I need someone to put them up who's, you know, and, um, like, all the way along, there's people helping, helping, helping all the time, all the way, you know, and it's, it's, that's a nice thing to see, you know. Um, So, they got on the boat in Cherbourg and I got off the boat in Pembroke and that it took the mum 15 days to, to to do all that and she was saying everything is gone she had just she had just bought I don't know, she, I can't remember what the word was how she used for it but it was kind of like a summer house like a chalet or something yeah uh, with a with a big garden huge garden so she had cherry trees and apple trees but they're all gone now PJ you know her everything she she had built up in, in in her life is now gone and what she kept saying then was, but everyone's alive. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That kind of hits you, doesn't it? So yeah, she was <clears throat> she's she's happy that everyone is still alive, as as you would be. I mean, I suppose if you can imagine uh you Imagine you know PJs. You know you go, you do, you do your day's work, and you're trying to scrape your money together to pay the mortgage and get shoes for the kids and pay yeah. for, their, for their college or whatever they need. And it, you know, it's it, the stuff that that you have to have. And you know, it's it's So you're you're out there doing that, and a tank drives through your house, and a missile blows up the neighbor's house, and bam, suddenly you have nothing. And that's it's it's that it's that simple, and it's that that's. I I think that's how easy it happens. It happens that easy. Yeah. Just normal people sitting down having breakfast and then there's tanks driving through your house. And that's that's what happened to these people, you know? Yeah. She kept seeing the the architecture, especially churches. Uh, I suppose being an architect and having that I she'd probably have uh, a personal and professional appreciation for buildings. But she loved every every church we passed, she'd kinda of remark on it and she loved she loved all the churches, you know. Um and then kind of she spoke mainly i suppose about her her journey that i just that I just told you about there and uh the the we got uh got to Ashling's house um in Galway, and uh went in took some photographs I don't have them <laughs> took some photographs and well, she's gonna she's gonna document her journey she said when it's all over mm. um and she was kind of saying you know, she might be there for a week or two. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. That'd be great if it was a week or two. Um, I have no idea what this guy's going to do over in Russia. Um, and yeah, that was it. Ash, Ash had dinner ready for them. And How did she know them or did she know them at all? Ashley went out looking for people to help, PJ. So <laughs> when, like, you want to meet this woman, you know, oh, this is the kind of person she is. She's, she, she, she helps people.
1: Coming at the end of it, Connor. After meeting these they sound like lovely people, how did you feel at the end of it all?
5: Driving from Cork to Rosslare, I was a bit kind of nervous in my stomach, kind of butterfly somersault Yeah. Coming away from it I felt great, utterly exhausted, you
6: know? Mm.
5: <laughs> the the like I left home at ten, ten A. M. and I got home at about midnight-ish. Um so I suppose the, the driving was tiring but as well just you mightn't think it from me yammering on here for however long I've been on to you but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't chat I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that man for talking but so I, you know I, I talked to the two of them for whatever the three or four ish hours that mm. I was with them Um, you know they 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 had just been on the run for 15 days so whatever I'm sure I can talk for three hours if three or four hours if uh, mm. if they're one for 15 days so afterwards to answer your question I felt I felt relieved PJ Um, I was happy that that I got to do it I was happy to see them somewhere safe yeah uh, with Ash and I was saying there that we can't all we can't all be superstars like Ash but I do think that I think what I did was you know it's a big deal and I think that if someone is giving underpants or a toothbrush and toothpaste or shampoo or a change of clothing anything I think it's all they're all huge things Yeah, they're all huge things like if you are if you were out there with not a not a penny to your name in a foreign country and just an ordinary person gave you a complete change of clothing then you have two pairs you have two two full changes of clothes because you just wash yeah. one you know what I mean um, that's that's a lot that's that's a lot to these people. So can't all be Ashley Byrne, but I think I do think that even the like what she's done is monumental. But I think everything is it's like it's all good and it all it all makes their lives certainly better, but livable. Mm-hmm. Um it, just these kind of these essential things. Um she was the mum was kind of most concerned about finding work, you know. That was her her that was her big thing. She wants to work, work, work is what she wants. She's not over here kinda of, looking for welcome packs and looking for stuff it's all she She wants to work is what she's after you know
1: well hopefully she'll find work and hopefully they'll be able to settle until whatever time they want to go back to their, to their homeland if they ever want to go back they may not want to Conor you did a decent thing and thank you for telling us about it
5: thanks for having me PJ and thanks for allowing me to tell you thank you that's Conor Slattery.
1: Decent fella, decent skin. I've known him for, for a few years now. 0818 96 96 96. And you don't have to drive to Ross and bring a family of strangers and their dog all the way to Galway all in one day. You don't have to do that. Just something small. Contribute to something small in whatever way you can. Uh, you're doing something. 0818 96. 96, 96.
6: Can we
3: just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The
3: Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash.
4: Backing up the gas. gas, gas, gas. The two
3: grand minute on
1: Casey and Ross in the morning. All
4: right. Corks 96
1: FM. Someone asked me over the weekend, PJ, do you know when we're going to get this credit onto our gas and electricity bills, or whatever energy bill we choose to take it on? I don't know. I think it's this particular billing cycle, so the next bill, maybe maybe David Kerr from Bonkers can tell me. But also last week we had the announcement from Borgosh that they are ramping up the prices of electricity and gas. Astronomically high. Astronomically high increases on gas and electricity from a company whose parent in the UK, because they're owned in the UK, made... Colossal profits last year Like 1.2 billion euro Last year Now the Irish wing lost money, fair enough But Centrica Which owns Gáis, Made a sinful amount of money In profits last year But one thing that was I was asking myself Because I signed up late last year With a, a bonkers.ie deal on my energy And I, did, I had started to save some money I'll be honest But now I'm wondering have I wasted my time uh, one of these switching plans, and let's let's talk to David Kerry, He's the group CEO of Bunkers, and I know you're probably going to tell me, David, no, you didn't waste your time. You probably will still save money in the long run, but but I'm not protected from the price hikes, am I? Good morning.
7: Good morning, PJ. Yeah, no, you're not protected from price hikes. And if you signed up for a discounted offer uh, within the last twelve months, what you're actually agreeing to, PJ, is a percentage discount against that supplier's standard rate. So you might have agreed to a twenty percent discount from your electricity, for example. Mm. You're still getting that, but they can change the standard rate up or down, and they will be inside the contract terms. and And so, therefore, two things are important to understand. One, if they do change the price of the standard rate, you're still getting the twenty percent discount. So you cannot just change or cancel mm. because of that. They're still within the contract. You have to stay within the contract too. Mm. And the second one is really to your question of did you waste your time? You absolutely did not waste your time because if you are inside a discount for 12 months, you're saving money versus the standard rate. If you're not getting a discount, which is free to have and it's opt-in, then you're paying the most that you can possibly pay. So the question is, do I want to pay this much, which is very high, or the amount I could have paid, which is very, very high? And unfortunately, the very high trumps very, very high every day of the week.
1: Is it not permitted in the system like you operate to to
7: give a fixed term rate for the year? Is that not permitted it, in this country? It's permitted, absolutely. In fact, we've had them in the past. We've had what are called fixed unit rate tariffs uh, in the past with a number of suppliers where what that means is that the unit rate that you pay cannot change for the duration of your contract. And that could be a one-year contract, for example, or in some cases, you've had a two-year contract fixed rate. But those have gone away since the energy crisis began just before COVID, and we haven't had them in the Irish market um, in in a number of years now. What we do have is the discounted variable rate tariff. All suppliers offer a discount against their own standard. They have a number of different levers they can pull. Mm. So it's not just the unit rate. In fact, if you if you've seen on the Bord announcement from last week about their price increases, and um, they're also changing the standing yeah. charges for electricity and for gas now. The Eagle listeners amongst you will know, but you're, the standing charge is meant to have the upkeep of the network in mind, yeah. and that's true. There is a fixed rate cost that's paid by the retailer, the supplier, to the network operator. So either um, ESP Networks or Gas Networks Ireland but they can change what they charge the customer. So both of those things are variable across suppliers, and that's why we calculate everything together.
1: I was commenting on that as well last week with regard to the standing charge. So if you know, say that the price of your electricity, the unit is going up, well, you'll turn off that light. You'll be a bit more careful about turning off the light. You'll be a bit more careful about not wasting the number of times you boil the kettle. Little Little changes that we all learn to yeah. do. But actually, because they're also jacking up, the standing charge, that's a wasted
7: effort. It's not wasted. That's the problem. It's not wasted. Every single small change that you make, like only filling the kettle halfway if you're making coffee for two, as opposed to the full way, only making sure that your light is turned off when you leave the room. All these little changes do add up, mm. but they're, the standing charge, that's a fixed rate per day, and there's no getting away from that. Um, yeah. From any of the suppliers, but they just each have a different unit rate yeah. or sorry daily standing charge amount. No, and just, so you know the calculations that we take into consideration are how much is the standing charge per day, how much is the unit rate, how much are you consuming? But then we have to add on. Let's not forget the PSO levy for electricity. Yeah. We have to add on carbon tax for for gas. And uh, then we have to add VAT at a whopping thirteen and a half percent. So there's 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 taxes on taxes in your electricity bill. And just at the beginning, you asked the question of when are we getting this two hundred euro on your electricity bill? It is in this billing cycle. But again, just to be aware, on your bill it'll be a credit of one hundred and seventy-seven euro plus VAT, which then adds up to two hundred altogether. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the VAT—they're even taking the VAT off of the. Oh, yeah, all of t- the credit they, they give you. they, I mean, know, they never ridiculous. lose.
7: They, they never lose. Do no, do they, no. David? Well, the government actually contributes a huge amount to our to our household bills. A huge amount through the likes of PSO levy, through the likes of VAT. You know, all the taxes on taxes that we pay. Carbon tax has VAT on top as well. So these things are are, are massive contribution to our yeah. overall household bills, and they're only going up. Yeah. And it's only going to be bad news for our listeners, yeah. um, unfortunately. We
1: we know, David, for example, how much the government takes from every litre of petrol or diesel. It's, it's just south yeah. of a euro. Do we yeah. know how much the government is taking from, say, every hundred quid on your gas bill?
7: Yeah, we do because, um, you know, they have carbon tax. So we know how much people use on their... On their gas itself, they add on VAT on top of that. So your gas bill actually is composed of four things: it's the the amount of gas you consume down your pipe, it's the standing charge per day, it's the carbon tax based on the amount of gas that you consume, and then on top of all of that is VAT at thirteen and a half percent. So they're taking, you know, thirteen and a half percent plus carbon tax, if you like, off uh, off of your bill. Um, as their contribution of how much you pay the retailer, the Bord Energy or the Electric Ireland, and if the other so thirteen electricity and gas are they taking 20 fires. twenty euro per hundred maybe? Yeah, but probably about that much. Yeah, okay. yeah, because the companies, by the way that you that you are paying, they themselves upstream are paying corporation tax. So there's taxes on taxes all the way up.
1: Yeah. caller says I kept hearing about how great it was to change supplier and with the increase in prices last year I decided to finally do it it was a nightmare the old supplier didn't take a reading and it took ages to get that sorted for the, the, final, for the final reading uh, which means yeah. obviously you end up with one more bill that lands on the, on the mat after you've switched over is that a problem
7: Well, there's two things I would say. One is people sometimes think that I changed my electricity provider on Tuesday the 15th, for example. But it's never a point in time that you change your provider. It's a point in consumption. So the meter reading is the important thing that the new supplier wants to get from you in terms of we will start billing you from... 1000 units on your meter uh, for example and the old supplier will bill you up until 1000 units on your meter and so that's that's what's important but they the, the person there should have supplied their new supplier with their current meter reading that they can read themselves from their meter or if they have a smart electricity meter it's automatic
1: mm. yeah it, it it does kind of it does kind of level itself out after a while um but but, but, yeah, they and then they said I could pay monthly, but then, when I was on board, they said that might change It, it generally is best to go through a website yeah. like yourselves anyway, David because I think you do in fairness all the
7: heavy lifting for the consumer yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't be you you wouldn't be um uh, far off if I said there's about fifteen hundred calculations done on the website in order to give you as a consumer one single page of results on on how many. People are available to you to switch to yeah. because it's it's do I want, to, do I want yeah. to pay by direct debit? Do I want to get my bill online? Yeah. And all the unit rates and standing charges and those components. Yeah. There's five components on an electricity bill, four components on a gas bill. All yeah. of these things we need to project forward. So there's a lot of heavy lifting. To and on and we charge.
1: also need to be very cognizant of the fact that in about six weeks' time, the carbon tax is going to go up again.
7: Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. And there's no escaping that. Now, governments uh, have been, you know, call to introduce this 200 euro uh, credit on electricity or reduce vat for example or reduce carbon tax carbon tax is not going to be reduced and um, it's it's an EU directive it's something that cannot be escaped from and there will be different people with different opinions but it probably shouldn't be escaped from because it's a climate change measure so this is something that will just be with us yeah yeah, it's an unfortunate time, I suppose. Okay,
1: we're not having our houses bombed, and uh, or the hospitals are not being shelled around us, but but yeah. it's part of the reason we're going through this is because of what's happening in Ukraine. But the other part of it, I guess, David, yeah. is because during and let's face it, big oil has a huge thing, a huge um, role here. During the pandemic, big oil lost an absolute fortune, and, and this is just capitalism and business getting it back off us.
7: It was there was a time that you remember that um right at the beginning of COVID when the tankers couldn't dock, oil went below zero as a price per barrel, which obviously has never happened before, PJ. So um that that, that was briefly lived. But um yeah, no, things have been extraordinarily strange um in the world of, of energy prices and fuel in general since since mm. since pandemic started in March twenty twenty. Do you think it'll
1: settle itself
7: in the foreseeable? Uh, in the foreseeable, I think this year will be a little bit bumpy for uh, gas and electricity customers. We expect that there will be more price increase announcements. borgosh Energy's announcement last week was the 36th announcement between 2021 and today. So there have been multiple increases announced by all suppliers last year and into this year. There will be more. Uh, borgosh did a price pledge, um, which meant that in October they pledged that they wouldn't increase pricing again over Christmas. They met that pledge. They they didn't increase prices until last week and they held on, they're saying, as long as they could. Um, so, But they're now passing on a 43% increase in gas and a 29% increase in electricity. It's almost, almost saying but those But they won't be things, the only ones.
1: Almost saying those, yeah. those percentages is yeah. crazy. David, listen, thank you very much for being with us this morning uh, on, on the opinion line. Uh, that's... Um, David Kerr, he's the CEO of Bonkers. dot ie. As I say, I used Bonkers myself at the end of last year to change my gas and electricity bills over, and so far I'm happy. And they do all the heavy lifting. There was just information to put in, a bunch of information that's easily to hand with your bill, and it all worked. But we'll see. Now, Mary, you called me to to, to make a point. Good morning.
8: Hello, I'm just ringing. There, I changed my supplier like that. Now is listening for years and years to, you know, you should change regularly and all that. And I changed, and it has been an absolute nightmare dealing with two of the major companies. Mm. Like it's just been a nightmare from. The Did you
1: use a website like Bonkers or somebody else? No.
8: Um, I somebody my somebody had used them and told me who was the best at the moment or whatever. So I just switched and I just said right I'm just going to do this and uh, next thing um, I, they didn't do an actual reading on my meter um, so, so my final bill from the old company let's say was incorrect yeah. I noticed it when I got the account I was due a huge rebate and but I said well I'm going to just get caught on the other side so you know I could see the bill was wrong so I rang up and got they sorted that, took back took back there, or didn't take, didn't give me the rebate, but then sent the wrong reading still into the new supplier. Right. Which means I was going to get the bill again from them. Oh. And, you know, then I used to pay monthly on my old, so I wouldn't get any big bills during the year, you know, yeah. level pay or whatever yeah, they yeah. call it. And next thing, I got a two-monthly bill, and I said, oh, I meant I must ring them and get that switched to monthly. So say it was 100 euros a month. When I rang to pay monthly, they said it was 150 a month. And I said, that doesn't make sense. And, oh, well, if you ring back next week, um, the price might be different. And I'm kind of, (laughs) I mean, it's just. Then I changed my broadband. And they they switched. They gave me a date that they were switching. I'm working from home. It yeah. was essential that I
6: had... Absolutely. You know, that was
8: seamless. Yeah. Oh, they gave me a date and that was fine. But then they switched me two weeks early and hadn't set me out a modem. Oh,
1: uh, sweetest.
8: So I was hotspotting from a phone for... And, you know, again, nothing... Would do yeah. nothing about that either, you know. Yeah. It's just... And then my... The ESB, I can at uh, my electricity bill, um, I can't change that to a monthly until after I've got two bills. Yeah. So basically you're four, four months into a 12-month contract before you can get back to level pay. I, yeah, you know, you go to change your house insurance and you need a degree to read all the small print between subside. you know, especially... In You're not insurance.
1: wrong, Mary. Um, You're not wrong there, because I tried that last year, and I after two that hours that. on the phone, it's, ah, exactly. I it. guess
8: <laughs> To hell with it. Exactly. It's just, it yeah. doesn't work. You know, it's too hard for consumers to eat. And I'm just in like kind of thing. My mother, herself, if, if the same thing had happened with her gas, yeah. she wouldn't have had a clue... And especially, you know what I mean, getting another big bill down the road then from the... They should have to do actual readings when people are
1: switching. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay, they like, say, and David that, just said I there, you can done. you can do your own reading. And you can, but not everybody knows how to do that.
8: And mine are outside and you're in and around and those special keys you need and boxes and, you know what I mean, it's absolutely bizarre. And anyway, they have, you know, that's somebody's job. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean they should be reading with me, but especially if you are changing but like what I should have done was taken my rebate and paid the big bill with the yeah. new company at the lower
6: rate
1: you know. It is it, it is a nightmare, and times are getting tough for people, and they're getting tougher, and none of this stuff makes it any easier. Mary, thank you very much for, for your call, uh, 0818 96, 96, 96 Look, our prices of energy are just going to go crazy. Now, David says, look, you, you still will save some money if you do things like turn the lights off and that sort of thing. Um, but still, it's it's just getting desperately, desperately expensive. And, you know, I, I say this because, you know, in, in, in Coogan Towers, we're lucky. We're, we have two good jobs, and, and we can sustain a little bit of this. But I... I not a lot, but we can sustain, sustain a little bit of it. But I'm thinking of families on a fixed income. I'm thinking of families on a tiny, tiny income. I'm thinking of families who are struggling on a minimum wage job or two minimum wage jobs. How the hell are they going to sustain this? It's just not... It's not possible for, for people. And I get it, the government, as they said last week, can't solve every problem. But you know what, they can actually make it look like they give a damn sometimes. You know, that they struggle sometimes to make it look like they care. 0818 96 96. 96. On a brighter note, David Gray plays Musgrave Park Saturday, June 18th. And thanks to our friends at MCD, I have tickets to give you. Every day this week a pair of tickets uh, More t- t- tickets available on Ticketmaster.ie But I have a pair of tickets for you Every day this week uh, I'm going to rob Lorraine's very successful One second song This is a David Gray song What is the name of the song? Text it and text your name to 83 396 Text our WhatsApp of course And we'll draw a winner at the end of the show David Gray, one second What is this song? Yeah. Alright, do it again yeah. Name that song. Can
9: we just talk?
3: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon, take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The takeover on Corks 96 FM. Weeknights from seven on the big drive home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up.
6: Get me be your heart
4: ghost e,
3: The Takeover. Pick what we play with
4: Cork Dental Care's one day Invisalign event Saturday, March 26. Looking for the perfect smile? See CorkDentalCare.com for more. See our song list on 96 FM Insta Stories. Corks
3: 96
1: FM. Mag's literally switched her supplier this morning and says it couldn't have been easier. Got all my information together. First, the process took the best part of five minutes. I don't get. All the fuss. And I'll agree with you there, Max. It's very easy to do it online. Very, very easy. Some people are discovering you get problems arising afterwards, though. We'll see. We'll see what else comes in. And Kate says, you have to go out on your hands and knees to read most of the meters now. Or they're right high up on the wall. The professional readers have a wireless gadget. And if yours was indoors and move out for the wireless one, it's in a bad position. Yeah, it can be. it's not the easiest thing in the world to go and read your meter. Thanks, Kate. 081896... 96.96. Now the Cork Business of the Year Awards are presented by the Cork Business Association uh, at the end of April but uh, nominations close this week It's the and of course they haven't. Michael Magner uh, from the Cork Business Association and from Vienna Woods Hotel. Michael d- did you not hold them the last couple of years or was it all done virtually? Good morning.
10: Good morning, PJ. How are you? And to your listeners. And um, so, yes, the last two years have been very challenging. So the last Corp Business Association Awards that were held in person were in February 2020. Four or five weeks, or three weeks before the pandemic started in earnest, and in 2021 the event went virtual. Um, so the awards did take place last year, but we're delighted that the awards are back in person this year, um, and we're delighted that they're being hosted for the second time in person here at my hotel, the, the Vienna Woods. Um, so it's an exciting time, mm-hmm. and it's a great opportunity for businesses around Cork to nominate uh, their, their own premises to for these awards because they're they're a fantastic accolade. Uh, for, for a business and we were fortunate ourselves last year in the Cork Business Association to win Cork's best family business so wonderful achievement for my team here at the mm. hotel but also um, it was great to, to put a bit of a spotlight on businesses in and around Cork and the Cork Business Association do that in their capacity as a not-for-profit organisation yeah. but the uh, business award started a number of years ago PJ with the, the where the president would give uh, obviously the nominating businesses an opportunity to nominate and then compete for the the title of the award that they would be entering. But two years ago in 2020, uh, I suppose the awards took another step forward where basically they collaborated the CBA with the Cork branch of the Irish Hotels Federation to come together to to collaborate to produce a taste of Cork menu where they brought chefs from various hotels around Cork to come together to produce a really top class meal on the night of the dinner and while it didn't happen last year there was a virtual meal, Uh, chefs still came together and produced a, a, a taste Takeaway box. We're back. In oh, I remember this that
1: year. now. I remember that now. The boxes and report. it went really
10: well. Yes. Yeah. Now uh, the, I'm- the, I, the closing date for
1: nominations, Michael, is five o'clock today, and then there will be yes. a shortlist to vote upon. So it's it's a very d- d- democratic procedure, as it were. CBA Awards. is the email. You can nominate any business you want under twelve categories. Correct.
10: Absolutely. Any business you want. Um, it's open for members of the public to nominate. It's members of, of people working in, or in various businesses can nominate and businesses can nominate themselves as well if they wish to do that. But you're correct in saying that the deadline for submission is 5 p.m. today. So anybody that hasn't uh, had a chance to do or put that application in, please put it in because the competition is fierce. And we've seen it uh, through previous years, certainly from our own business when we competed last year for yeah. the award. There were a healthy number of family businesses. Businesses that went in okay. and, and, and uh, competed for the awards.
1: Michael, lastly and briefly, because I'm caught for time, it's been a busy first hour of the show, it must have been great to have a relatively normal Patrick's Weekend again. After two weeks, I was
10: just saying. I was just saying to Fiona there on the phone. She was asking me, was, "Was I off for the weekend? And I said, "I was not. We were here working. We were fine and busy. And it was wonderful to see people back and about. Great feedback from the parade inside in Cork City and in other towns across the county uh, over the weekend. And yes, some bit of normality. So so upwards and onwards. And as we move forward, I suppose we have to reflect on on the fact that it was a challenging two years and difficult for so many. But we have to be positive as well as we move forward. PJ.
1: Michael, it's been great to talk to you and good to see things coming back. I was at an event myself just the week before last and again, great to see events uh, coming back. Cork Business of the Year Award on the 23rd of April, Saturday night at the Vienna Woods. Uh, Get the tickets at the moment, but if you want to nominate a business, cbaawards.ie There's two ways in the middle of that. cbaawards.ie As regards stuff coming back to normal, I couldn't but mention the front page of the Echo uh, and my pal, Dr. Nick Flynn of my Cork GP, has said he's concerned at the moment by the number of cases of COVID that he's coming across. And certainly, and uh, I think Leo Vradka was saying over the weekend, we are in a kind of a second wave of Omicron uh, at the moment. And it's because we're so well vaccinated as a community, we're not hearing as much about it. But it's still out there, and we still should be careful. I was on the bus the other night. I got the bus home from town uh, last Wednesday night. I went to see a play in the Cat Club, Stacy, We had the director of the play on here with me last week. It's brilliant and well worth seeing it. But that's a by the way. On the bus home that night, uh, there was only about three or four people wearing a mask, including myself, because I think wearing a mask on the bus is a no-brainer at the moment. Just, I think... Nick Flynn and others are saying, look, go easy, just, just put the mask on the bus, put it on and maybe in the shop if you want to. Uh, but just, it's not gone. It's still there. We're very, very, very well protected by the vaccines, but it's still there. You can still get it. So it's worth thinking about that. 0818 96 96 96. Quick reminder to you that uh, Friday, March 25th, uh, Cork's 96M supporting the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day. Uh, Daffodil is available for any of the volunteers, and you can help fund free cancer support services and life changing cancer research. And if you'd like to donate, just go onto the website cancer.ie. Can we just
9: talk?
1: Opinion
3: Line on Cork's 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818
3: 96 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
3: The Opinion Line with PJ
1: Coogan
4: On Cork's 96FM
1: Speaking of the weather, do you remember uh, last week Alan was on from Carly Weather and he said that his projections of the maps and the mechanics that he looks at were saying that the end of the month could be a little humdinger. Well, I'm just looking at my favourite weather app, which I keep talking about over the years, Dark Sky, which is very good and very accurate. And that is looking at nice enough weather for the week, but building up to an absolutely gorgeous weekend. You might even have to barbecue out next weekend, if what I'm looking at is is accurate, which Dark Sky generally is, I have to tell you. 0818 96 96... Ninety six, John, the bold John O'Donovan, I'm, I I forgot this last hour and I meant to read it out. Um, John, you were quick out of the blocks this morning and I, I, we've often agreed and we've often disagreed. And I can't really agree with you on this one because I thought it was rotten luck. I mean, if there was ever rotten luck. Last year, Michal Martin as Taoiseach didn't get to go to the White House because of covid This year, Micheál Martin got to go to Washington, D.C. And then the night before, he's supposed to go to the White House. He gets a tap on the shoulder from one of his officials and said, "Uh, T-shirt, you need to go into isolation because you're after testing positive for flipping COVID. And I thought, what? Rotten luck. They set up a Zoom meeting in, or whatever kind of platform they use, in Joe Biden's office. And it was all... Sure, it worked out fi- fine in the end But I thought, what rotten luck for Miguel Martin to be caught like that But John says, I'm ecstatic Says John, ecstatic, he says me, Al Martin's the first Taoiseach ever to visit Washington on St. Patrick's Day And that us through the national embarrassment of presenting a bowl of shamrock All I can say is, hee hee That's not very nice, John And by the way, I'm never embarrassed by the presentation of the bowl of Shamrock. I think it represents the fact that we as a tiny little country on the end, of, at the edge of Europe, a tiny little island on the edge of Europe, have access to one of the most powerful offices in the whole world once a year on our national holiday. How many more countries actually get that? Uh, not too many, I'd say. But John, your point is welcome, as always. But I did think it was just rotten luck for me, old Martin. I really did. I really, I felt sorry for him like, And I wouldn't care who it was. Who is Taoiseach? Not just because he's a Corkman. I, I, I would feel really rotten luck for that. 0818 We got a message into the 96 FM Facebook message box over the weekend. Yesterday, actually, from Melanie Gillespie. Now, the name might not mean a lot to you. Melanie Gillespie. Who is she? She's in Boston, but her, her name before she was married was Melanie Grace. Uh, She's Brendan Grace's daughter. So Brendan Grace's daughter contacted us and contacted some other outlets as well because she wants to track somebody down. So she left a phone number and I gave her a call. Melanie, let me say before we start that I was a huge fan of your late dad. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet him many times and interview him a few times and he was a, a superstar.
11: Oh, that makes my heart full to hear that I love that
1: and he was a lovely lovely man to meet and to talk to now when he was ill uh, in the final days of his life you met somebody and you're trying to find them
11: yeah so you know we're coming up to three years if you can believe that um, in July and in 2019 when we were called home to be with dad we were in the Galway Clinic And, um, you know, we had I have my two sons who at the time were just nine and 11. Mm. And then my nephew as well, who at the time was 10. And, you know, we were trying to distract them as much as possible. And um, we were down in the front entrance of the Galway Clinic and there's a little baby grand piano there. And um, the kids were playing a few songs on the piano. And there was just a lovely um, couple, an older couple were walking by and they stopped to listen to the kids playing and they asked them to play another song. And before we knew it, they were sitting down with us and we were having a chat with them. And I forget if it was I I want to say it was the wife that was bringing the husband in and he'd had either a procedure or a checkup of some sort. And. Okay. Then we got talking about dad and they were big fans of dads as it turned out. And so they said, you know what? It would make our day if we could have a picture with the three boys. So I said to them, well, look, at, I'll take the photo for you. Why don't the um, two of you sit there by the piano? The boys sat around them and stood around them. And I took the photo and they gave me a phone number to send it to. Um and we said our goodbyes, and they were, there was just something very, you know, comforting about them. Hmm. And no sooner were they gone when I tried to send the photo to them, realizing that it was a wrong number. They had, oh. you know, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I forget if they had written it down or what happened, but there was, uh, you know, obviously a number missing or something. So I, I tried to send it a few times. It wouldn't go, and you know, between the jigs and the reels and. Uh, I haven't seen the picture in a while, and I was going through my phone because the old storage was full. As it happens, yeah. <laughs> and I found the picture, and I said, "Wow! I wonder where that couple is." They probably think, you know, that one never sent the photo to me after me. <laughs> God knows yeah. what they were thinking. Of course, I I have a load of friends. i I live in Boston. And I have, a, you know, a huge amount of friends who are from Cork. And I reached out to them on Facebook and I said, lads, do you happen to have like a Facebook page? Like we, there's a Facebook page um, that somebody created called Dublin Down Memory Lane, which yeah. is a fabulous page where we all stay in touch and somebody knows somebody and yeah. a picture will be posted and this one will say, oh Jesus, that was my neighbor 20 years ago. or So I figured there must be a Cork page, you know, the rebels have to have their own cork page. <laughs> <laughs> there,
1: there were several that, that you've got. You, you, you've sent it to Cork where we sported and played, and there were a few more. And you also sent also a message, which is why we're talking now. So you didn't, yeah. you know, you didn't get a name from these people.
11: No, I mean maybe at the time I did, but coming up to three years later, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't remember that. And also, you know, you know the way sometimes you can search a message in your phone, but. Over a period of time, I'm sure I've changed my phone at least once. Yes. So it's nothing is coming up um, for that. So it right now, it's a mystery, except that we have this photograph of this lovely couple, the three kids standing around them. And I would just love them to have the photo because yeah. we had such a nice conversation and it's it's a keepsake from a special moment in that day, yeah. you know?
1: So it's it's July 2019 in the Galway yes. Clinic. This yep. Cork couple that you met, they said, oh God, I'm a big fan of your dad and all of that. Ask for a photograph. They could be listening. They may remember what happened. They may not, but they can contact us or contact whomever. And, and we if, if we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. That's that's for sure.
11: Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd love that. What you're looking, we can only try. And at the end of the day, it's a small world. So I'm sure I have great hope that uh, somebody out there will, will recognize the story. Or I know that you're going to post it on a few platforms yourself as well. We will. We will. I know you've a big Twitter following particularly so somebody somewhere will see it and I just feel that this will get into their hands and um it's just a nice memory to have yeah
1: yeah, yeah like you say coming up for for 3 years yeah must have been an awful time for the family i mean he got so sick so
6: quickly
11: yeah it wa i think that was the worst part of it was <clears throat> that it, it it just happened so suddenly and um, it just it ended up being a type of cancer that unfortunately was not detectable yeah. by you know your typical scans. It was actually kind of buried in the tissue. So it was very late in his stage, unfortunately, when they figured out what was going on. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, really tough time. And it's still, you know, we That's still fair. have, uh, yeah. you know, tough days. But um, we we feel him around us often. And my mother is, you know. Lost and just brokenhearted without him, but yeah. she uh, she has a great saying. She says, "Jesus," she says, "I think your father's after moving into me," <clears throat> because she's starting to do things and say things. <clears throat> excuse me that 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 he would have said when he was here. Yeah. So she jokingly says things like that, and um, she look at, it keeps us all laughing.
1: Yeah. You're carrying on the bit of showbiz yourself. You 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 teach speech and drama. Is that it?
11: I do I have a drama school over here in Boston and funny enough my father actually uh, when I was younger he named me Melodrama my name is Melanie obviously <laughs> and he named me Melodrama and I, it used to drive me mad and I said to him one of these days I will put that name to good use. And so when I decided to open a drama school, it was a no brainer uh-huh. that I would call it the melodrama school of acting. So, yeah, we're over here in Boston and specifically Quincy and Milton, Massachusetts. and yeah.
1: A huge Cork population in that part of the world as well.
11: Oh my gosh! Yous are everywhere. We can't get away from yous.
1: <laughs> That's why we call it the real capital, Mel. you know that. Right? Ah,
11: here, listen. We won't get into that. That's a whole other interview.
1: <laughs> listen, we hope we can find this this couple. Yeah, you know, even put you in touch again and get them the photograph. We'll share it as best we can. And all I can Brilliant. do is is wish you well and say to you, as Brendan Grace's daughter for all the entertainment he gave us. And if we can do this for his family, we'll have done a good day's work.
11: Oh, well, listen, that's lovely. And I appreciate that. And I'm passing it along to the family. I have to give a big shout out to Joe Mack because ah. I know that my father would definitely want me to be saying hello to, to Joe out ah. there.
1: Another and man I worked Mac. with many times. So, yeah, good wow. guy, a good guy, a good guy. Melanie, lovely talking to you.
11: Thank you so much for taking the call. And let's see if we can find this couple.
1: There you go, Melanie Gillespie, or Melanie Grace, Brendan's daughter. So to summarize, if you were in, or you know who was in the, it might be your parents, it might be your uncle, your auntie, someone you know. If you were in the Galway Clinic in July of 2019, and you met this family, and you asked for a photograph, we've put the picture up on our Twitter, and I'll share it later on on my own platforms we put the picture up on twitter if you recognize the people in that picture let us know and we'll put you in touch um it's it, it, it would be fantastic to be able to find them again but when they wrote down a number for mel or when mel wrote down the number there was a mistake in it that's why she hasn't been able to pass on the picture but we've shared it now on twitter so if, if anybody knows who those people were do give us a call 0818 96 96 we just heard from derry o'shea from the capwell garage busman he's been in touch with us they've been traveling over the weekend with a truckload of supplies over to ukraine they arrived at the polish border last week they then met another group called cork aid group and they traveled to the border together they're now on their way back and they're due to arrive in Cork in the early hours of Wednesday morning. So well done, lads. And the rest of us, were enjoying our weekend off and our spring break. You were doing great humanitarian work for the people of Ukraine. Dario Shea and the busmen from Capwell, of whom we'd expect no less. Because that's the kind of work that they do for us every year when they get involved in the Radiothon. 0818 96 96 96. Actually, speaking of Radiothon, it's only 65 days away. The year is galloping ahead.
6: Can we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96FM.
1: Coming up, we have another development in the On Story. Yet another development in the Orenkura story. That's in a while. But Patricia, you got in touch with us because of a a problem. Good morning to you.
6: Good morning, PJ.
1: You're looking to buy a house.
6: I am indeed. Yes, yes. Uh, we moved house over twelve months ago, and um, we just find it very difficult to find. We're looking for a bungalow, a three bedroom, two bathroom bungalow. Right, right. And we could move maybe a half an hour outside the city. Right. A uh, forty minutes because the price of houses have gone crazy, and we we would have cash, but we don't have thousands and thousands of it, like, you know, that yeah. kind of a thing?
1: Yeah, but you're looking for a bungalow. Yes. In reasonable nick that you can buy.
6: Yes, okay. exactly.
1: Okay, because your husband, uh, st- he, he has a problem with stairs, yeah?
6: Well, my, well, he's, his mobility is not great. Okay. Some days he's, he's okay, and more days then he can be pretty bad, so... That was one of the reasons why we we sold our house. Right, right. And uh, we sold it over 12 months ago and since then we we're, we're constantly looking for a bungalow. We've 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 searched so many places. We've looked at so many. We've put in offers for so many and when you're bidding online, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. And you you're, where are you living at the moment, Patricia? Well,
6: we're, we're living with a family member at the moment.
1: Okay. okay. Well, look, yeah. you've put it out there that there's such a demand in the market now. That yeah. that prices are very very high, but that's you're great. you're looking to see what might be there, and that's why you contacted us. Thank you very much, Patricia. So they're looking for a two to three bed bungalow. If you want to sell them, actually, I was watching that program. I love that program. The way we were, I was watching the repeat of it last night, and they were doing about housing and, and the various housing crises that we've had in this country uh, since. The year dot housing crises are are nothing new to us in this country. But the the guy from the Home of the Year show, the fellow with the glasses, Hugh, he was on that program and he said that at the height of the bungalow thing in this country, we built four hundred thousand bungalows. And I thought I wound the table. He said, Did he just say what I think? Four hundred thousand bungalows. At the height of the bungalow thing which was a huge thing back in the the 70s up to the 90s. Maybe, Patricia, maybe we can help Patricia. We are sending you and a friend to see the biggest fight of all time in women's boxing, Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano for the lightweight world title at Madison Square Garden, and you could be there. Now, this is the last week to qualify. You get a song at 815 Another knockout song at 2:15 and another one at 5:15. 3 knockout hits. When you have all 3 song titles, you then text or WhatsApp Lorraine on the big drive home and that's your chance to qualify. Flights, accommodation, spending money, the works, and tickets to see Taylor versus Serrano on April 30th in New York. It's going to be the fight of the century and you could be there watching And staying in a posh hotel and spending money and just enjoying the adventure of a lifetime in New York. On us. Listen and win with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Put your trust in their award-winning after-sales team with a Skoda service at NoelDC.com. Only on Cork's 96FM. There are terms and conditions that do not allow employees, families to enter these competitions. I never once before used to complain about it, but I'm complaining bitterly about this one. Now this, we got a text or we got a message this morning to say that a caller got a text saying, hi ma'am my phone has crashed this is a temporary number the text had my daughter's name on it, like it was in my phone contacts but the name had a little minus sign, you mightn't even notice it, still don't know how they did it I tried to ring the number but there was no reply then I got a text saying, can't answer my phone my microphone's broken it was followed by another text saying, oh, oh, the repair shop won't take my credit card. Can you sort it out till Monday? Eventually she got a text saying, if you could just send a photo of your card, the back and the front of it. I was sceptical from the outset, but just a warning to others. I read about this in one of the newspapers. Oh God, it's a couple of weeks ago now. And they meant to watch out for it. These are... Text messages that appear to come from a borrowed phone from someone that you know someone close to you, and it is a scam. It is a racket. I was hearing about someone caught for a few hundred quid on it because well, if you give them your credit card details, they're away on a hack for the day. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six has anybody else come across that? Bags was listening to Brendan Grace's daughter what a loss he was. She was only having a discussion yesterday about songs we sang to our kids as babies, and her go-to was always a daisy a day. Brendan used to sing it. He did. He did, Mags. 0818 96. 96, 96.
9: Can we just talk?
1: The Opinion Line on Corks
3: 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
3: Access all areas on Corks 96 FM.
4: Your guide to nightlife on Side.
12: Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Warrior by Karen Egan is a beautifully shot theatre film fusing drama, music and satire to explore cancer survivor Karen's journey through the medical system. It's an on-demand video stream from the Everyman Theatre
1: and it runs from Monday 21st of March until Sunday, April 3rd. Access All Areas. Deirdre O'Kane brings her demented show to Dabara's of Clonakilty this coming May 6th. Tickets are now on sale from the West Cork venue or available from debara.ie
3: Access
5: All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie.
4: Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife side. on On Quarks96FM.
1: If you're old enough to remember, and unfortunately I am, you, you'll remember when the RSE, Relationship and Sexuality Education, came into schools.
10: There were rooks. Hold up.
2: What was that?
1: Ructions. It was condemned from the pulpits of a Sunday, so it was. Thankfully, things have calmed down a bit over the years, and now there's a new book out by Grace Alice O'Shea, who we've spoken to, I think, before on the program. You've been educating in uh, with RSC for for a number of years, and you've written a book about it, Grace. I remember the the controversy when it came in first, and then it settled. It it settled, and it became a normal part of schooling. And now you've written this book called Sex Educated. Tell me your own experience of teaching in the classroom first.
0: Yeah, um, well, I loved the work I do in schools. I mean, I've been doing it about, I think, seven years now. And to be honest, when I first came to the work... I kind of came to thinking, okay, young people nowadays have grown up with the Internet. They're going to know everything, you know, and the education is going to have to be so much more advanced. But funny enough, what I found is kind of the same myths are still circling around and there's still so much misinformation and there's still actually a lot of shame around certain topics. Mm. Um, so I actually found, you know, it, it, it didn't have to be super, super advanced. It was actually about going back to basics a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, every school is different. Every class is different. And that's kind of where this book came from is is highlighting all the different questions we get in class.
1: Mm. Those questions have changed over the years, I would suspect, very much.
0: Yeah, I mean, they did, again, a lot of the same stuff will come up, uh, you know, particularly around um, relationships and, um, you know, healthy and unhealthy relationships and that, because that's, you know, that's a lifelong learning process. But, you know, we have a lot more questions now around body image um, around, you know, should this body part look like this? Should it look like that? You know, questions about, um, I suppose, relates to online, online pornography and, and coming across material like that. Um, and just, yeah, like, is this normal? You know, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? So, yeah, they have changed, certainly.
1: Mm. Does gender identity come up these days much?
0: It does. It does. Now, what I do find is generally young people have quite a good grip on it. Um, They're probably learning from a younger age nowadays and they have more, you know, exposure even to discussions in the media around it. Um, So a lot of the time, sometimes they're even teaching me new words or new concepts. But generally speaking, like it does come up. Um, It's still absolutely something that needs to be covered 100%. You know, there's still a lot of... You know transphobia and a lot of prejudice and bullying going on in schools, so it mm-hmm. does come up. Yeah, yeah you,
1: yeah. you you find kids are they're far more open to discussing these things than we would think, but yet at the same time, you say that some of the basics come up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Stuff that you would think would have been, if you would say, sorted out years ago.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. And again, that's what kind of continued to surprise me a little bit. Um, You know, even basics just around anatomy, you know, simple stuff around how different anatomy works, um, particularly around women's bodies. Um, I feel there is, you know, the education isn't quite up to scratch there yet. Um, Also around things like, uh, you know, kind of myths, around STIs and pregnancy and, you know, can you get pregnant standing up and, and all these questions that are still popping up even wow. to this day, which is funny considering all the information there is out there, but then at the same time there's so much misinformation with that. So yes. there's kind of a flip side to it, isn't there?
1: And I, and I suppose part, part of the, the teaching process is to teach them to filter out what is nonsense and try to focus on what is true. Was that one of the things that motivated you to write the
0: book? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, parents and teachers had come to us um, and still come to us, um, both in Sexual Health West and me in my own work um, over years, um, looking for this kind of resource. They wanted, you know, a comprehensive, trustworthy, sex-positive, kind of one-stop shop resource, you know. Um, And that's what I wanted to create, was, was to really cut through all the stuff you see in films and TVs and even on social media and porn and everything and just really create something that, you know, that was that, that was that was fact based, but also had an element of um you know, empathy and kindness and inclusivity to it, as well as the, the facts and the figures and the diagrams and all that, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned porn and the access to that over the years has mushroomed. And yes. even a small child now with a given a smartphone can access the most horrendous stuff. Yeah. In seconds. And mm-hmm. you have to <laughs> in a world where children are given phones, we're coming up to communion time I was only chatting to my, my wife about this recently Grace, mm-hmm. we're coming up to communion time now and an awful lot of children are going to get their first smartphone for their holy communion and yeah. the access they have to the most grotesque porn means doesn't it, that we have to start warning them about it when they're just little kids
0: Yeah well we have to start talking about it and in the sense that I suppose with porn, you know, porn was never intended to be a sex education tool. It's a terrible sex education tool. It's not how anyone should be learning about sex or or even what bodies look like or anything. But I think what happens as well is, you know, if if young people aren't getting some form of shame-free, honest, open sex education, they're going to turn to online. They're going to be looking for answers. They're going to be curious. And, you know, curiosity is normal and we don't want to shame that. But in the you know, in the absence of talking to our young people about, about bodies, about intimacy, about all that, about consent, they're going to unfortunately learn in other ways. And again, th- this was the purpose of the book, is it's kind of like an antidote to all that stuff, that, mm. okay, maybe maybe they've come across something, maybe they've seen stuff, maybe it's distressing, maybe it's it's harmful. But hopefully, if they have something like this resource, or their parents have it, at least then they will know that this isn't real life. This isn't actually what sex looks like. Um, You know, and they can have some actual factual information to refer to instead.
1: How do we get over the old hurdle, the oldest hurdle in parenting and having raised a couple of kids of my own at this stage? Yeah. You know, once they turn 10 or 11 or 12, sure, Dad, what would you know? You're ancient. Yeah. You're old people. What would you know? How do you get over that hurdle? Because it's a hurdle you've got to get over teaching
0: this stuff. Yeah, I know. I mean, it is a hard one, and I, I've been true. You know, I taught the same thing when I was a teenager, and now I look back and I am like, God, they, they knew more than I gave them credit or, or gave them credit for. And um, I suppose one thing is, I suppose it's going to happen. Like it's just natural. You know, teenagers just start to relate less to adults in in that sense, and, and it's okay. What well, I would say to remember that. The gold standard of, of sex education is actually, again, not about having all the knowledge or all the slang words. Sure, I don't, I'm a sex educator. I, I Young people teach me stuff. And being open to learn from them as well. That's but a lovely word then,
1: you use, by the way, slang language Never heard that before. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. I probably said that by accident. They both came together in slang Um Yeah, so, like, to be open to learning from young people as well, not just to think, okay, I have to teach them everything. Um, but but, but what i was getting at i suppose is the point is you know sex education it's rooted in just being a safe person for your really? young person to come to not having all the answers you know you don't need to have them all no one has them all yeah. um but just when a young person or your child or whoever it is comes to you if they do um you know just really meeting them with with patience and and um not immediately reacting with something like anger or shaming them or outrage or anything like that. So just being safe for them to come to. Um, And have lots of little talks, not just a big talk. That's what I would say. Uh, Just lots of little talks, as much as you can, uh, rather than sitting down for a big talk. It's much more, it it gets absorbed much better.
1: And, And how important is the simple, basic lesson? And what age would we start with our children you can tell me anything you can bring anything to me how th- How early should we start that, particularly in terms of sexual education and stuff
0: oh well, I think the you know um the idea of you can tell me anything should start as young as they can talk, like as young as possible um so what we would say generally is. Sex education actually can start very young, but it's not necessarily about sex then, right? It's going to build later yeah. to, to be about sex. Start by teaching your little person Even the proper words for their body parts, because there's nothing dirty about them. There's nothing shameful. And it's actually really important that they have the proper words for their body parts. That's just learning about their body. You know, there's nothing actually sexual about that. Um, About consent and boundaries. So, you know, just asking people maybe before you touch them um, or kind of teaching them how to check in with their own body. How do I feel right now? You know, do I want to be around people? Do I, you know, that kind of stuff. So it can start very simply and, and build over the years. And again, that's all the little talks adding up to a big talk. Um, There's one thing I've mentioned in the forward of the book that I thought was a really good tip. If you are a parent, um, to give your child a little note and the note read, um, this, a parent told me this, a note, it read something like, you know, if you ever need help and you're afraid, to come to me because you are afraid of how I'll react. Just bring me this note and I know it's important and I need to listen to you and sit with you and figure out how to help you. And I just thought it was a really nice idea, you know?
1: That's a wonderful idea.
0: Mm. Um, So again with the book, a parent can buy it and read it themselves and use it as a guide or they can can read it and pass it on to their young person Mm. So I would say if you're going to pass it on to your lovely young person, include a little note like that in the front and at least then they know that if it really comes to it, they can talk to you.
1: That's a brilliant idea. Someone on the phone here just wants to ask a question, Grace. How would you approach this with a child who has special needs or additional needs or is on the spectrum or
0: whatever? How would you approach it? Okay, well, that's... You know, that's a really, really, um, really important area, but it is also, there's so much to that because each child is going to be different and have different needs. Um, So, and again, this wouldn't be my specific area of expertise, to be honest. Um, I would say, you know, with each parent, you know your child best, um, and I can't speak to exactly how, you know, a child is developing and exactly what you should say to them. There are resources out there. Um, I know the IFPA I did a speakeasy uh, training program with them, which was all about this, um, all about talking to young people with disabilities around sex, particularly intellectual disabilities. Um, so I'm sorry, I can't give a specific answer because, it's okay. again, it's, it's just not in a particular area and it, it really differs child to child. But I think, again, the main um, underpinnings are the same of just being open to learning, open to making mistakes, um And, you know, even if you have something like the book, just take what you need from it and leave the rest. Just start really simple and come back to the other stuff later if you need to.
1: I take the book is in all good bookshops, etc.?
0: It's actually, it's mainly online at the moment. Okay. Um, it is in a few bookshops in Galway because Sexual West are based in Galway City. Um, but, you know, it's only a few months old, so it's it's, it's growing, it's getting out there. Um, it is available from sexualhealthwest.ie and the wonderful thing is the the proceeds from the book go back into the charity and go back into delivering sex education. Okay,
1: so sexualhealthwest.ie is where people That's can it. get the book and the book is called Sex Educated by Grace Alice O'Shea. Grace Alice, thank you very much for being with with us on the opinion line, thank you, 0818 96, 96 96 It brings me to an opportunity to mention, I mentioned it earlier, uh, I went to the Cat Club last Wednesday night uh, at an invitation. It was an opening night of a play called Stacy. We'd had the director, Max Cahan, on the show, uh, and it sparked my interest, and it has performed outstandingly well by a young man called Ethan Dillon wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performance very disturbing play very difficult play you will squirm in your seat as you watch but it's one act it's about an hour it's worth seeing and it runs until the 26th and it covers all that consent stuff and sexual assault and all those things that we know are going on and I see where I see where Mary Crilly and the uh, Sexual Violence Centre have got posters up in the catalogue for anyone who feels uh, they need to talk after seeing uh, the play. Uh, so that's worth watching. 0818 96, 96 96 We have been given tickets for you this week by our friends at MCD for David Gray. David Gray plays Musgrave Park on the 18th of June. It's a Saturday. We pair tickets for you every day. We've robbed Lorraine's one second song for the week. All right, we'll give you one second of David Gray. He needs to tell you what the song is. All right, one second of this and tell you what the song is. Oh, yeah. All right, that's a short one. Oh, yeah. okay. What's that song? 083-396-9696 oh, 96, 96, 96, with your name and the name of the song to get into the draw for tickets for David Gray at Musgrave Park on Saturday, June 18th. Now, Jim Costello from Bishopstown Lions Club uh, Jim, good morning to you.
12: Hey, good morning, PJ. How are you doing?
1: Good. You have an event coming up and you want to talk about it. You've got a, It's a fun event, but also there will there, there been some serious athletics involved. But tell me about the event, then we'll talk more about the club.
12: Yeah, so this weekend we're going to do a community run. Um, it's a charity event in support of cardiac issues and also uh, cancer in, in the community. The event is going to be held in um, MTU Athletics Ground going into Murphy's Farm. And it's a combination, as you said, of um, uh, a good run for athletes who, who can, and also for the community, people who want to do a fun run or a fun walk on Mother's Day. So it should be a fun day.
6: Mm.
12: How so, can people get involved? Can they register? Yeah, you can register online uh, either through Bishopstown Lions Club uh, website or if you go on to www.popupraces.ie, you will find the run there for Bishopstown Lions Club. Mm. Um, so you'll see all of the details there and you can register online or you can show up on the day at the MTU track. Yeah, and you can uh, register there as well.
1: I think it's important the to find out with, with with the event. And I, I think generally, when Lions clubs do this kind of thing, it doesn't matter whether you are someone who's looking for the personal best or someone who struggles to drag themselves around the lock. There's there's a way to do this.
12: Exactly, um, it's really a community event. We we look forward to have everybody out. It's going to be Mother's Day. Uh, Bishopstown Lions Club or Lions Club, as you said, is a community type organization operating in the area for over 30 years, providing a lot of uh, fundraising events for the community. So the event on Sunday is definitely in that spirit. Um, it starts at 11 o'clock. The run starts at 11 o'clock on Sunday. And um, we that will be the starting gun will be that time. So if you want to enter, come in around uh, 10 o'clock or half nine and enter there. Um, or enter online, as I said, on www.popupraces.ie Okay. And, and you can join us there.
1: Jamie, I've yeah. been a Lions Club member myself for for a number of years in Carrigaline. My membership has lapsed now stuff like that, but but I was for years. So I know I know the work of of the, of the Lions Club very well, having been an active member. Lockdown's been very difficult because organising events has been really hard.
12: Um, yes, it has. Um, and I guess there's, there's a double impact on that. First, this is the first uh, major event that our lines Club here have run in the last two years. Um, it's been difficult to arrange events because of the limitations of COVID. And so, yeah, you know, we're really delighted, especially this event, which is a totally outdoor event. Uh, so it means it's safer. Um but yeah, our club has continued to operate in the background, trying to, for example, we did a defibrillator program recently, um, putting defibrillators in in the local communities, and we've done a number of activities. The food appeal went ahead at Christmas, as you know. Mm. Um, we're we're developing on the Oris Leon, which is a housing facility accommodation, as well. So we we have kept going in the background, uh, but as you said, limited and i suppose this is the first especially uh, larger community outdoor event that we've been able to get going so mm. we're very excited by it
1: um, yeah yeah it's 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 yeah. great to get back out there get back doing stuff because that's what the lions clubs do they do stuff
12: absolutely uh, uh, do stuff uh, for for the community as you said um this the money for this one will go to Two charities. One is Cancer Care Cork Cancer Care, which is uh, do the Blankets of Hope, and the other one is uh, the other uh, charity partner on it will be Cardiac Risk for the Young, which is the uh, to support victims of sudden cardiac um, issues in the community as well,
1: and. Yeah. Okay. Listen, Jim. Good luck with it, and good luck with it on Mother's Day. Fifteen euro for a serious athlete. Twenty euro for a family. All details at Bishopstown Lions Club website, or you said popupraces.ie. ie. Pop Jim. Thank you. Thank you so much. 0818 96. ninety six ninety six. It is great to see Lions Club stuff. Uh, happening again. And he's right, they did do the food appeal and I think the, the ball run down Patrick's Hill was an absolute joy the other day. So it's good to see stuff like that back and if there's a Lions Club event in your community you should do your best to support it because they're great people doing great things.
6: Can
3: we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
1: Whatever sport you support, we want you to grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. Stick it on
4: for Radiothon. Thoughts. Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns in May.
5: And this year, Friday, May 27th, is Jersey Day.
4: We want you to hold a Jersey Day. Hold a Jersey Day. Get together with family, friends or colleagues and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. For more, see 96FM.ie. The 2022
1: Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th only on Cork's 96FM.
4: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or
3: WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
4: Email opinion at 96 fnie
3: The Opinion Line with PJ
1: Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96FM.
1: I'll read out that message again in a little while. The one we gave you there just before the news about council rent uh, and how it's going up even in the middle of a price surge everywhere else. I'll I'll get to that. Also, the Onakura story. Another twist, another development. There's a report in today's Examiner. They have been spending our money hand over fist Even though they were told, don't do that, you need planning permission. You're wondering what I'm talking about? I'll give you more on that uh, in a little while. But first of all, I don't know if you listen to or watch TED Talks. There are a million of them out there. There's got to be a million TED Talks out there. And basically you stand on a red spot for 15 minutes or 12 to 15 minutes and you give a talk off the uh, cuff about whatever topic uh, you have prepared and you literally find a TED Talk on anything My next guest, I mentioned this the last time she was on the the show with me she's a resilience coach and that's what we were talking about at the time Her name is Lisa Nolan but I brought up the subject of her TED Talk which was recorded in Derry, uh, TEDx which is a different kind of a TED talk. It's an independently organised one, but that's, you don't care about that. But this was her TED talk, which was, it just catapulted uh, to a stage where it virtually was was, was viral. Here's just the first minute or so.
14: We all drop our keys. It's never intentional. It's something that happens to us. Sometimes we aren't even aware that we've dropped our keys until sometime later. We might rummage in our pocket, realise they're missing, and retrace our steps, only to find them in the shop we were in, or somewhere in the house. Usually, when well, assuming you do find them, there's no harm done. But what if you dropped your keys, and someone else was harmed, or even died as a result? Hi
1: Lisa, good morning. I, you didn't actually drop your keys, it was a small mistake, wasn't it? Maybe tell the story, and then we we'll go on to why the talk has been so impactful.
14: Sure, yes. Um, No, I didn't actually drop my keys. It was a metaphor for what happens to all of us, actually, which is that they reckon we make about 50 mistakes every day and errors, you know, things that we didn't intend to happen, but happen to us. These are things that happen to us. You know, you trip over something, you drop something, uh, you forget to do something. All of these things, we do them all every day. And, excuse me, my. My talk was based around an experience I had when I was uh, training to be a student nurse and I was involved in what's, what's now called an unexpected medication event, yeah. which was that I gave my patient his insulin dose as prescribed at the exact time he needed it, uh, the right dose, all of that. Uh, but it turned out that he had already been given his evening dose before about ten minutes before I got to him by my colleague. and. She had finished her work early and had decided to give it to give me a head start. And but the problem was that she went off on her break and clean forgot to tell me. So, you know, neither of us got up that morning and went into work and decided we were going to harm a patient. It's the exact opposite. You know, when you're when you're on the front line, you go in there to do the best you can. You go in with as much energy as you can, as much care and compassion as you can. You follow the rules. And, you know, even in hindsight, I mean, I've had this picked apart by some of my colleagues in the just culture world. And, you know, there nobody did anything wrong as such. Um, but it's one of these things that just happened. And thankfully, thankfully, we found out yeah. and were able to correct it. And thankfully, insulin, you know, is one of those things that you can, rever- you know, reverse almost or correct it. Yes. Um. But, but that was just luck. Yes. And yes. the thing is that that, you know these things are happening, and, and we didn't report it. Is was my point. We didn't report it because we were absolutely, one hundred percent sure that we would have been absolutely lambasted. Yes. We would have been put out on unpaid leave. We would have been treated like pariahs. You know how you know we would have been the bad apples in 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 the basket. And really, you know that's that's so wrong because, you know. By us not reporting it, you know, in hindsight, of course, nothing was corrected, nothing was fixed, Mm. Uh, no measures were, were, you know, taken that would have prevented it from happening again. And I don't know what the exact statistics are, but but they reckon that a lot of accidents and mistakes that happen, usually, you know, if you go back, there's a history of near misses leading up to that, that if, if somebody had spoken up, if somebody had reported... Um, system design can be changed people can have more training or maybe better resourced or whatever it is to stop the, it actually reaching you know the end result which was the patient that day so yeah. my talk was on the area of psychological safety yes. which yeah. is the, so important. And
1: the fact that look it was it was as as luck would have it and we couldn't say that loudly, loudly as luck yeah. would have it this was a, a, an error a, minor, a small error could have been catastrophic but it was an error that was easily reversed And therefore, you didn't report it because of the the hurricane you'd bring upon yourself. And your whole point is that hurricane shouldn't happen.
14: That's exactly it. Because, you know, if we had reported that and we were put out on unpaid leave and, you know, disciplined or possibly even been struck off the register or whatever might have happened, who amongst our colleagues would ever report something similar again? You know, it, it quenches safety, it quenches you know people's um, uh, ability and desire to fix things. You know to say, "Look, this nearly happened. Can we fix it?" Um, you know, no pe- people become very skilled at hiding mistakes and covering things up if there's a culture um, of blame where they work. And it's the same in society, and it's actually spiraling. I mean, I think everybody would agree. You know, the, the litigious nature of of us as a society and in workplaces, and particularly safety critical sectors. Yeah is really, you know, spiraling out of control. And the fact is that we're all human and, you know, there's loads of science now to show what, what actually happens in our brains when somebody is even Never mind being put out on unpaid leave. But even if somebody is uncivil to us, you know, eyes up to heaven, a big sigh, you know, right up to being shouted at or um, humiliated in front of our colleagues, these all have a really detrimental effect on our brains mm. uh, and reduce our ability to to carry out uh, normal tasks that we're normally well able to do. Our motor dexterity is affected. Our cognitive function is is affected. Our ability to focus, our ability to make decisions. You know, our brains just basically close down. So it makes absolutely no sense for us to continue the old management style, which was always to coerce people through fear mm. because it has the opposite effect.
1: Yeah. Again, because what happened this time was quite easily reversed and the patient was OK. Mm. I'm thinking in terms of what happens when these things get into the media um, and there are procedure. like there would, the first question that a media would ask or a newspaper, was procedure followed? How did this happen? And we ask the question, always the question. And is it a failing of us in media, in society, in life, who was to blame? Is that yes, a mistake that- we make, Lisa?
14: Yeah, it it is. And it's it's a very unkind, inhumane approach to it, of course. Um, And, you know, like you say, the first response tends to be whose fault was it and how will we punish them Um, and to find the bad apple and, you know, deal with that and then be seen to, you know, people feel they need to be seen to deal deal with it. Uh, You know, the people can see, yes, that person was was found out and was put out of their job or, or whatever. Um, whereas in in the just culture model, which is what you know I've been advocating, the the, the first port of call is not whose fault was it and how do we punish them. The first port of call is who was harmed, um, what are their needs, let's meet their needs and whose responsibility is to is it to meet those needs, and let's learn and move forward together. So it's it's a culture of kind of learning accountability and justice. Now the accountability part is key because you know it's not a it's not a get out of jail free card it, it you know people still have to be held accountable if they have deliberately you know chosen to um to disregard guidelines or mm. you know to do something outside what they should have done and particularly particularly if it has been already pointed out to them you know you skip that step and that's dangerous so please don't skip that again you know it's not a mistake the 10th time uh you know if, mm. they, if it's been flagged to them but i think that rush to judgment is what's what's quenching all of, you know all of this? But it's a, it's an incredibly inhumane, unkind way for us to approach mistakes. Um, you know, we we all have a primal need to belong. They've shown in research that the pain we feel when we're socially rejected is it, it travels along the same pathways in the brain as when we feel physical pain. So it's mm-hmm. it's as bad as physical pain, and. Uh, you know, that's the way we're hardwired—is to fit in with our community. So there, there have been—I mean—in extreme um, um, situations, there have been situations where people have taken their own lives yeah. as as a result of going through a disciplinary process. That ultimately, very tragically, in a lot of cases, is where they where they've been found to have no case to answer. You know, it was it was. Yes. Nothing that could couldn't have been fixed. Yes. So, you know, we it's it's it goes beyond the be kind movement. Um because it's easy to be kind to people that we think deserve it. It's easy to be kind to kittens and puppies if we're animal lovers, you know, but the real um challenge for us as as adults, as society, as leaders, as managers, business owners is to be kind to the people that it's hard to be kind to or in those yes. moments of frustration because of course a manager or a business owner will feel frustrated if someone has done something or not done something that they should have. It's incredible, you know, that's natural to feel frustrated, but it's it's up to us to take the higher road and stop and take breath and go okay, that happened. Yeah. Let's fix it and let's make sure that it doesn't happen again, but let me not quench it from from anybody else from reporting anything similar. You know, you'd want yeah. to know what's happening so you can fix it.
1: Because if you come through it and particularly, in, like you said, healthcare or anything associated with that kind of thing, say, you know, social work, stuff like that. If it comes through a long and arduous process and you discover that actually this person had absolutely no case to answer, they did nothing wrong, they may, may have made a tiny error of judgment, but other than that, they did nothing wrong. Their life has been destroyed by this process.
14: Absolutely destroyed. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the case studies of this are just horrific even to read or think about. And and it's, it's, it's you know, there can be error of judgment, but there can be genuine mistakes like mm. dropping your keys, tripping over something and somebody has been harmed as, mm. as a result. Well, you might have done um,
1: nothing, you might have been caught up, as, as yeah. I know, I, I won't go into details, but I know someone yeah. who was caught up in a situation that it was absolutely nothing to do with them. It was not of their making at all. And their yeah. career was under a microscope for nearly a year.
14: Yes, and you say nearly a year, but that's forever. You know, mud sticks, and and uh, and the impact that has on somebody's confidence and their ability to do their job. You know, it, it just ripples out, and it's it's the effect of it is just unacceptable. It, we can do better than this, really. Mm. You know.
1: So the just culture that you that that you teach and you train and you advocate. Mm. So I miss. Okay, we have a team of three on this program and we have systems in place to prevent errors shall we say right and we do our best to to stick with those and make sure that you know i's get dotted and t's get crossed to make sure that everything is okay if something should go wrong what is the first thing to do and what is the first thing not to do
14: well, i us start with the first thing not to do is to immediately blame, you know, the person, look at the person and point the finger. Um, the first thing to do would be, you know, like I said, to, to I don't think it applies in your position, but still uh, to look and see was anybody harmed? What yeah. was the harm? Um, let's fix the harm. Let's, let's work as a team. Um, actually, sorry, I'll go back a bit. The first thing to do is to say thank you to the person who flagged it, um, to say thank you for showing me that because they could, they may have. They may have chosen not to say it rather than hide it. Um, so that aspect of, th- you know, thank you for telling me, you know, I really appreciate it. Let's move on from this and let's learn and let's figure it out together as a team. That's crucial um, uh, because because if we don't do that, then, you know, somebody is already feeling bad about a mistake that they've made. And it could be something si- simple. They might have lost, the you know, the company some money by putting the decimal point in the wrong place or by not filing an invoice the right way or whatever it is. Um, you know, but but we tend to take these things very personally. Um, so when we stop and say, um, thank you, we're treating that person, uh, which is the way they should be, which is as the asset in the room. Mm. The person who's reported themselves or the error or the near miss is the asset. They are in a just culture um in, a, in an organisation that has just culture, they're the asset in the room. They're the VIP, uh, and they should be treated as such. They're, you know, they're, doing, it's not, they're
1: doing a service.
14: They are, and it's 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 an incredibly courageous thing to do to stand up and say I made a mistake or I had an ear miss. Um, it's very difficult, particularly for people who are uh, sort of you, you know lower down, for want of a better expression, in the hierarchy of the organisation. Mm really yeah. it's a it's a big leap for them to say yeah. actually there was a mistake or I think I see a risk here
1: yeah yeah the the other thing too that and you know thankfully when mistakes get cleared up and they get or they get sorted mm-hmm. and like you said for the most part nobody died and yeah. it was done and it was handled and it was boxed off the next thing you should not do is say oh we can't let Tom do that again <laughs>
14: Exactly. Yes, because you're just reinforcing the blame um, where Tom is already feeling bad about about what has happened. Um, Yeah. And and, you know, we're all we're all learning no matter what stage of life we're at. We're all learning. We're learning how to do new things. We go to a new job. We're learning. Um, But that when we when we dampen down somebody's self-confidence, we dampen down their creativity and their productivity um as well as safety you know it's not every situation that that yeah, of potentially course. causes life or death. Of course, yeah. but productivity and creativity in finding solutions you know on, on in the moment um, thinking outside the box all of that is encouraged when you're in a in a situation where you feel psychologically safe um and so it's really key for to to be to feel psychologically safe it has to come from the top down. I mean, we we encourage people to speak up, but we also encourage their leaders and managers to listen up. So there's the two aspects of it. Um, and and when you create an, an environment, and it actually doesn't happen overnight. The time to to make this to to embed this culture is in the weeks and months before an event um, happens. And yeah. um, in fact, what's interesting is you know the story of of Sully landing the the plane on the Hudson. Indeed, yes. One, one of the aspects, of course, there were many aspects that to that success. Um, they were legends, all of them involved in that. But one of the pieces in that that contributed to that success was psychological safety because it wasn't Sully actually who took off. It was his first officer, Skiles. Um, and when they realised what had happened, you here hear on the, data, the flight data recorder uh, that Sully said, my aircraft... And his first officer immediately replied to confirm your aircraft. There was no territorial, oh, it's my aircraft, I'm dealing with it. They just instinctively, because they have gone through this yes. training, they actually are involved heavily involved in providing this training, actually, yes. in crew, in how people can speak up and how to listen up they instinctively knew that it actually made more sense for yeah. Sully to take over they n- they because exactly of it lots of different reasons but yeah. that's psychological safety yeah. and then look at that like 180 seconds later I think 155 lives were saved yeah. Yeah. by three if people that, that never was, worked That's actually before.
1: a fascinating story and and mm-hmm. your talk lastly because I, I need to go but lastly Lisa yes. the, t- the talk that you did did you ever think it would go so global?
14: No I did not Um, I I had planned it in my head. It was spilling out of my head for two years before I did it. I had I had sort of dreamt and, you know, visualized that it would get, I was hoping to get maybe 10,000 views and I was going to get my business network to help me and all my friends to share it. By the time I realized it was online, uh, live online, it there was 19,000 views and it's heading for 69,000 views at the moment. And I think that just speaks to how this resonates with everybody yes. because incivility is rife you know this blame culture is just so awful and we, we can all identify with it and I think that's that's where the, the viewership has come from okay. um, I'm, well, I'm thrilled it is so high but yeah well
1: we're going to get you some it. more because we're going to share it again because it's, it's, it's a super talk and uh, Lisa thank you very much Lisa Nolan a resilience coach but she came to prominence really through that TED talk I dropped my keys and someone nearly died uh, but the culture that happens around mistakes. We've shared it already on Twitter. Thanks to that, guys. We've already shared it on Twitter. Um, the culture of how do you deal with a mistake and the person who made the mistake? How do you deal with that in, in any kind of a workplace? It's a, it's a really good talk, worth a watch. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The lads from Know My Own have been on to me to say that they have a Zoom meeting tonight at 7.30 uh, and it's platform number, I'll give it to you in a minute Okay, I won't read it out now but the platform number at Zoom meeting tonight it features Professor Connor O'Mahony who did a report on illegal adoptions but if you'd like to be part in that online, know my own meeting tonight, I'll give you the Zoom code a little later Can we just talk the Opinion Line on
3: Cork's 96FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie 96
5: FM. My wife bought a dash cam for our car. I didn't know it recorded the sound in the car. She now has lots of recordings of me pretending to be interviewed by Sky Sports as manager of my FIFA team while driving to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bus driver. If I'm having a bad day at work, I look in the mirror while driving and mutter to myself, you're all Muppets, aren't you? And then tap the brakes twice so they all nod. <laughs>
4: Casey and Ross in the morning with Null DC Cars Blackpool. for Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221 and always open 24-7 at nulldc.com.
1: Keenan Brennan has a story in the Examiner today uh, telling us that the HSE ignored expert advice about planning permission when it was trying to convert a bed and breakfast into a mental health facility. And the property is still vacant nearly 14 months later as a result of that. And it's costing a lot of your money and mine to sort this out. And guess what? It is another chapter in the Onakura story. Believe it or believe it not. I've been speaking once again with the man who first came to us about Onakura, Councillor Liam Quaid. So, Councillor Liam Quaid, here we are again with yet another twist in this story that you first brought to our attention last summer. The HSE ignored the advice of an architect and ploughed ahead spending our money on something it was told you shouldn't spend it on.
9: That's right, Um, so I suppose the background to this PJ is that because the decision-making around the closure of Onakura was so kind of opaque and incoherent, it led me to do further and further research. Um, not only on that decision but on related service decisions because they're all they're all uh, connected and they come from the same budget. So I've been collating information for a referral I've made to the Public Accounts Committee and that's going kind to of be updated um, as, as I go along. So there's a few different parts to this. Um, I suppose some families mentioned to me in December, some of the Unacorra families, that their relatives were being offered trial placements in the residential service in Carrigaline that mm. had not yet opened. Um, I was aware that this service was um, you know in, in process from the local reps in the carigaline area. Um, I was also then informed by the Mental Health Commission some weeks later that nine Onakura residents would be offered placement in Carigaline. Mm. So I began to look into this a bit further and I suppose, from working in the services myself as a psychologist, I know that um, if you have if you have a, a, a community residence in, say, North Cork where I worked, um, it would be the local service users who would avail of that. So, in Mallow, Kenturk and Fermoy, each of those towns has a community residence, um, and it would be considered bad practice if you were to start transferring people from East Cork or North Cork in, into those. So, I was yeah. a bit puzzled by, by all of this. What I discovered about the Carrigaline property um, is that it was actually bought by the HSC to replace a community residence in Blackpool named Millfield House. Mm-hmm. Um, the HSC deemed Millfield House to be inadequate, and for some reason they decided to sell it rather than renovate it. Um, that w- that ha- happened in 2020. And as far as I can make out, um, they moved the residence from Millfield House into a former B&B known as Garnish House on yeah. the Western Road as an interim measure. Yeah. Now, the reason this was an interim measure is that Garnish House is being rented. Um, at a total cost of 43500 per month. Um, 1800 of that 43500 is for cleaning alone monthly. Um, so the, I suppose the first very unusual thing about this set of transactions is that a service in Carrigaline would be replacing a service in Blackpool. Uh-huh. Blackpool is in what is known as the North Lee HSE catchment area. Carrigaline is obviously in South Lee. These areas have different clinical directors, different mental health teams and different needs. Um... I also discovered that the Carrigaline property had been bought from close family relatives of the head of Cork and Health Services. Now that's a fact. Mm. I'm not drawing any conclusions from that, but it is unusual. Um, and. It appears that the manager declared their conflict of interest at a very early stage of the the purchasing process, um, and they removed themselves from involvement in the purchase. Mm. However, I've asked the Public Accounts Committee to examine the purchase because I don't believe it can be viewed in isolation. Um, The purchase of the Carrigaline property would draw from the same limited budget as services such as the Onakura Centre, and the same manager would have been involved in, certainly involved in, budgetary decisions about Onakura. So then I looked further into. The line issue, I, I found out it was purchased for 750000 in January 2021. Initially, there was a budget of $200,000 provided uh, by National HSE for adaptations. Now, this later increased, a few, a few months later in April 2021, to 250000 mm-hmm. But we were told at the Public Accounts Committee on March 10th that these so-called limited minor works now had increased in cost to approximately 500,000. Yeah. So that's a 1.25 million spend overall. Now that property has been lying idle since it was purchased in January, 2021. I, I have no idea where the HSC now plans to transfer people who were originally in Millfield House in Blackpool and now, as I understand it, have been um, residing in Garnet House. Uh-huh. They, they, and as you mentioned at the outset, the HSE managers were advised by their own architects prior to purchasing Carrigaline that they'd need to apply for planning permission right. to change it from its previous use as a BD.
1: that's important. I'll just yep. jump in there. They were advised by their own architects whom yep. they pay to uh-huh. advise them about these things that they needed planning.
9: Yes, it was very clear because I obtained correspondence um, through an FOI request. Now I was waiting quite a long time for that to come back as was a lot of requests. So they don't appear to have followed that advice and they were actually issued an enforcement notice by Cork County Council um, as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And Again, for for the benefit
1: of listeners Liam, that basically means stop. Stop working.
9: Stop working or or you'll incur a massive fee um, and they didn't have to go through a planning process and that process is actually in train at the moment. So one of the things I think that's really um astonishing about this is that for some reason the retention was only applied for this year in kind of February-March, even though they've had the property since January 2021. And while these staggering sums of money were being spent on one house without planning permission as a mental health facility and on another property, Garnish House, that the HSE will not retain as an asset despite having spent 1.1 $1. $1 million in rent and cleaning costs by the time they're finished with it, mm. a renovation of Onakura was uh, tendered in 2020, That's the lowest tender for that renovation was 145000 Um And for some reason, that renovation was never pursued. Um, and I think that it really tr- kind of chosen into stark relief the unfairness of um, all of this spending in other parts. And some of it you know, legitimate investment, but some of it's money absolutely wasted. Um, As as you featured uh, recently, uh, Nasa Horrigan, who visited on behalf of the Iraqis Health Committee, who is an architect, a former university lecturer in architecture, and who has a specialist interest in healthcare design. She saw huge potential on Dona site, and she didn't see any reason why that um, premises could not... her, Her
1: words to me were very clear. You absolutely can refurbish this. You absolutely can
9: and 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 also with, without the residents having to relocate because there's only 11 residents remaining in Onakura its original capacity was 24 there was 19 there when the announcement was made last year and she, she for, in her view the, the residents because you could do it section by section um i think what really stood out to me yesterday when i was looking at the planning file for the Carrigaline property was two of the managers um, who had repeatedly cited a vision for change at the Oireachtas Health Committee meeting in December when they were attempting to justify removing all of our 24-hour placements from East Cork, hmm. actually cited a vision for change um, when they were making the case for setting up the Carrigal line service. Um, I, th-
1: I, th- I think the bit that and vision that's a very important uh, point, but I think the thing that people are struggling to get their head around here, Liam, is the... The, H- the HSC employs, and I, I assume, pays very well, architects to advise them about these things. Mm-hmm. Architect says, "Okay, guys, you can buy it, but you have to get planning to do anything to it." Mm. They ignored it,
9: and, and also there was, from the correspondence I've seen, there was an obvious failure to consult with the local residents in Carrigaline, yeah. and that has led to a lot of. Uh, questions on their part about the service um, in, in the absence of having clear information. People
1: know something's coming into their community. They don't exactly know what it is. They're yeah. entitled to ask questions. Absolutely, uh, and, and, ge- and get answers. But they're not getting.
6: They're not getting
9: them. No, and they have had to go through local TDs uh, in order to try and get um, information. And that information has been fed back from from what I've seen in the correspondence to the TDs. Not oftentimes directly to the residents themselves.
1: Now, we'll obviously reach out, Liam, to the HSE to to respond to our conversation here today, but but what the hell is going on is the question a lot of people are asking now.
9: Yeah, and and I think the more you look into all of this, the more more that that question becomes more pressing. Um, And one of the things I think that is really striking about all of this is that We have a a health service and anyone anyone will agree that our health service is beset with difficulties and in in very particular parts of it, you know we've had scandals we've had all sorts of um you know negligence and 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 major major crises but here we have a service in in middleton that is widely recognized as as being a success story since it was set up in 1988 Mm -hmm. and if you talk to any ground level clinician including senior clinicians they're absolutely confounded by this decision to close the Onacore Centre. And it's a very small group of managers who are absolutely determined to continue with it. No matter what we reveal, no matter how much um, families pour their hearts out on on the public airways or in, in newspapers, and, and they really don't want to be doing this. It, it took um, some of those family members quite a while to, to get to a position where they felt they absolutely had to share their stories.
1: Mm. Um, I remember remember at the time, at the very start, they didn't want to use their own names yeah, they just yeah. wanted to, to be quoted and then they said no you know, to hell with it we're going to speak yeah. out here
9: yeah absolutely and I really would call on all of our local TDs to collectively come together and call for a reversal of disclosure um, and I think some have been more engaged than others and I'm not going to get into um, you know calling people out on that but I think what can certainly be said is there hasn't been all TDs joining together in a sustained manner Um, publicly because the working behind the scenes in adverse commas is clearly not deterring um, any of this decision making
1: Liam, I'll leave it there once again and thank you for being with us again No problem, thanks
9: PJ
1: The Opinion Line
3: on Cork's 96FM. With
4: the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
3: Cork's 96FM.
1: Yeah, we're going to stick with that Onacora story. We're not letting that one go. We're not letting that one go at all at all. 0818 96 96 96. That Know My Own Zoom meeting tonight. Uh, it's open to anyone who wants to join it, to listen to Professor Connor O'Mahony, who did a report on illegal adoptions. The Zoom number, if you want it, is 9355321932. 9355321932. That's the Zoom meeting code, if you want to get into it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, today is World Down Syndrome Day and Kean Desmond joins me Kean uh, Freya is five and uh, she has Down syndrome and you're a very active member of Down syndrome Cork uh, good morning good to speak with Hi. you PJ good morning how are you today good good uh, I guess having any having a child with additional needs it it brings pressure on a family getting used to it is the first part do you ever actually get used to it
13: <laughs> oh, geez, to be honest you do PJ like uh, Freya is just Freya you know she's yeah. a, a lovely little girl she's full of fun full of mischief um, strong independent young lady and you know we just see her as Freya I just see her as her daughter and a, another member yes. of the family yes. um, so I, I guess that's as as getting used to yeah. As, as anything as you can, really. And look, as you know yourself, every child is different. Indeed. I suppose you've got to get used to um, to whatever child ends up in your family, I guess. Yes. Um, but look, I suppose the big thing with kids with Down syndrome is that they need quite a lot of support in the early years. Um, so when our child was born, Freya, when she was uh, born five years ago up in the CUMH um, all the doctors and nurses that we met up there were, were saying, oh, congratulations, and listen, get early interventions. Whatever you do now, get early interventions. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I had absolutely no idea what, in the name of God, an early intervention was. Right. Um, but look, it's it's speech and language may therapy. May occupational therapy. may I ask,
1: d- yep. did you know that Freya was going to have Down syndrome before she was born? No, we didn't
13: at all. We found out on the okay. day. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they're all saying, get these early interventions, and then we found out what they were. We went looking for them, and the simple fact of the matter is that we couldn't get them. Uh, Freya's been waiting five years now to get uh, speech and language therapy, occupational therapy. Uh, We haven't got anything publicly as yet. If you're to go privately with, for these interventions, it costs about 100 euros per session. And so it's unaffordable for any family. Um, so we're, we're lucky that we're involved with the Down Syndrome Centre Cork, uh, where we've got a, a team of specialists. And I'd honestly say the, the best occupational therapy and speech and language therapy available mm-hmm. in Munster for kids with DS. Yeah. And we offer it to parents at uh, about 80% subsidised rate. And it was formed,
1: DS Cork, was formed by parents who, after all, as I keep saying, a a parent has forgotten more about their children's needs than the professionals will ever know. And they're the best people to be doing it.
13: Well, that's a very good point. So it's the Down Syndrome Centre Cork. We're based up in Forge Hill. It was founded back in 2017 by a group of about five parents. And today we're servicing the needs of 120 kids uh, and their families. With the s in the in the quark region, So it 's uh, been a great a uh, tremendous success story, but given that we 're subsidizing all the interventions at about eighty to ninety percent depending on the intervention there's a, a huge cost yes. so we we're, we're, we're heavily involved in fundraising so there's a a, a board of parents there, uh, but eight parents on the board, and pretty much all we do is fundraising and then we 've got an excellent uh, team that are running the the center, and we 're just operating in the background all the time, raising funds to make sure that we can keep the show on the road.
1: But the important key message of our conversation today is is that the services just aren't there until parents come together and do the stuff that they shouldn't have to do, provide it to themselves. The services are not there. I mean, it's an absolute disgrace that your little girl hasn't had one session of speech and language in five years.
13: This is exactly what she has, because of the, the hard work we put yes. into the centre and uh, getting those funds in yes. and assembling a, a really amazing team that we have up there. I
1: meant from yeah. the services meant to be provided.
13: No, fully, I, I fully understand, PJ. But look, that's a, it's, it's all on our shoulders, and you're, we're doing the best we can. And uh, as I said, it all comes at a at a at a heavy cost. So we're we're, we're um, kind of fully engaged with fundraising uh, right throughout the year. Yeah,
1: And that's why today, World Down Syndrome Day, you know, you, you need to call out this, this lack of, of services and, and lack of provision. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Fanta O'Sullivan. I'd say hardly anyone in Cork isn't. Mark picked up a Pride of Cork Award for himself there a week or so ago. And Mark, stay there, keen for me. You yep. ran an event on last Friday night and you raised €12,500 Euro for Down Syndrome. Morning to you. Morning. How things are good? Good. It was another Cork's Got Talent. You've been doing this for a while.
9: Yeah. Well, look, I started it off. I suppose six years ago as East Cork Talent Show, and I suppose three years ago, didn't we? It was getting so big, which we we made a Cork's Got Talent, and uh, look, it got so big. I suppose we had 108 auditions, and <coughs> the judges picked it down to 13, and we had it in the Radisson last Friday night. we over 720 people attended, sellout, and. Wow. It was a huge night, and we made twelve and a half thousand. We counted the money yesterday, so I'll be giving that to Down Syndrome Clock Wednesday. Twelve and a half thousand euro,
1: and that'll go an awful lot of, a long way, keying towards providing sessions and stuff like that.
13: Yeah, exactly. Every every little helps, and that's a, a fantastic fundraiser. I saw you guys all over social media, so congratulations on a on a very successful event. It looks fantastic.
1: Okay, Mark, thanks for that. Uh, stay with me for for another minute. That's Mark Fanta O' Sullivan. Uh, organised the uh, Cork's Got Talent final last Friday. Thanks for that mate. Just one last thing Kane. I guess you know, how how is Freya doing? Is she going to school? What's she up to?
13: She's flying up, yeah, so she's um, just finishing up play school this year now. She's in uh, uh, Tiny Tots in Ballygarvan and she'll be moving into the Ballygarvan primary school then next year, so it's, uh, there won't be a dry eye on the house uh, come next September, but look we're all really looking forward to it and we know she's ready so it'll be a, be a fantastic day.
1: It's absolutely fabulous. Listen, yeah. I,
13: I, yeah. Yeah, Actually, go if ahead. I could, TJ, uh, PJ, sorry, we've got our own uh, big fundraiser coming up in June 19th. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I could give that a quick plug. Drive on, drive on. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks brilliant. So look, we're organising Challenge 21. Uh, so it's a 21-kilometre walk from Hoboland Park to Parky And there's going to be water stations and stewards the whole way along the route. And there's going to be a huge end party then as well in the, the Black Market there in the marina. Uh, so look, it's going to be a huge We're hoping to have about 200 walkers on Great. the day. And, and, uh, and how yeah. can
1: people get involved and enter that?
13: Yeah, brilliant. So, so just go on to Eventbrite and search for Challenge Twenty One, and so we're looking for people to register before um, March twenty seventh. So that's Mother's Day, and anyone that registers for the walk before March twenty seventh will be entered into a draw to win a weekend away in a four star hotel. Um, So it's uh, it should be a great day out, fun for all the family and uh, a good kind of endurance. Uh, it's, a, it's a half marathon, essentially, so Excellent. people could walk, run, or jog it, you know, so it should be a, should be a great day out.
1: Excellent, and uh, we'll give that a mention between now and then. Challenge 21 on Eventbrite, uh, if you want to register for that event. Cian Desmond, uh, dad of five-year-old Freya. I'm marking World Down Syndrome Day. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 96 so To finish out today, you know... You know Cordia. You know the lads who do all the wonderful Irish dances on TikTok. And we spoke, to Seamus, uh, Sh- Seamus um, is a member of Cordia. Seamus. And it, we, <laughs> they, they were invited to dance for Joe Biden. Over the weekend, uh, Patrick's Day actually. And then they ended up in Times Square, New York. And so we're trying to catch him over the weekend because there's a video going up on Facebook of Joe Biden coming up and meeting them, and he was so thrilled with them and everything. And I eventually caught Seamus last night in Times Square, New York. He literally now stepped in to a doorway to take my call, running between. Corja video engagements. So I hope that the audio on this is okay. But we had to catch up with that fantastic moment uh, from the White House with uh, Corja. Here's Seamus. Seamus, as we speak, you are literally in Times Square on a load of different jobs with Corja. But, but let's start at the White House. Like, how the heck did that happen?
15: <laughs> now, to be honest, I really don't know myself, okay? It's still a bit of <laughs> It's still a bit fuzzy and surreal at the moment, even a few days after it happened. But we've actually we got an email after Good Morning America last year about us potentially visiting the White House. Uh, but there was nothing said about performing for the president. Sorry now, there's a load of cars, like I'm in the middle of Times Square, so it might be a bit noisy. You're grand. Um but but yeah, the email was sent through and our managers, Shane and Greg, at uh, Big and Bright, they've been like negotiating with the White House. The White House <laughs> for the last the, the past year and eventually we tied things down there about a week ago, um, and organised Come Over here. We found out on the plane coming over that was we Good Morning America, and then we found out that we were performing for the president himself, Joe Biden. Um, the same thing in the White House. <laughs> it is insane. There's no words that could des- describe how we felt during the performance and after after it. Like we had two standing ovations. From like the most powerful and the most important people on the planet,
1: and and then he he comes up and he starts chatting with you like like he was your granddad. Like it's he's so personable, yeah,
15: like, literally. Like and then I yeah he came up on stage with the first lady, his wife, and they shook our hands and they said we were fantastic. And then afterwards, then there was a like a drinks reception in the White House, which we were we were just drinking in the White House with <laughs> the biggest people in America. And uh, we eventually got past all the Secret Service. Everybody wanted to speak to the president, and then we got our chance to speak to him. And he was just saying how fantastic we were and that we were great. I, he doesn't have one third of our athletic ability. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant coming yeah. from him. Like, and then I told him to stop flattering us, and he put his arm around me. And he was like, "No, no, no! I mean it! I mean it!" <laughs> and, and I got very scared. I had my hands down because all his the Secret Service agents kind of stepped forward as he put his arm around me. And
1: <laughs> You're thinking if I, <laughs> if I, if I move a muscle, I'll be shot.
15: Yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> it was very scary, <laughs> I have to say.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Like from when you guys started as Cordia, and we talked before about being picked up at Good Morning America and all living in that—is it County Clare? Living in that big house together. Like when y'all started doing this, Seamus. This is wildest dream stuff, isn't
15: it? It yeah, you wouldn't nobody would dream about this in a million years like. The the amount of people in the world that would have opportunities like this and get to meet the President of the United States and not just to just to like see him in the same room or meet him, like he spoke to us. We had a, a full conversation with him in yeah. his own house in the most protected building in the world. And like just like just from Claire, the three of us from Galway and then I'm from Cork and <laughs> like you wouldn't wouldn't think of something like that ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I watch your TikToks, and your, your videos just get better and better. So, t- take us from the White House, Seamus, to to Times Square. Surreal. Can you hear me? Yeah, yep. I'm I'm chatting to you now as you're in Times Square, which is why it's dropping in and out a little bit. What are you doing there today?
15: Um. So yeah, we got we woke up this morning and we came to Times Square to do a few collaborations with other TikTokers from New York. And just to get a few videos in ourselves Do a bit of sightseeing And of course the bit of shopping
1: Yeah This is magic stuff So are you Due back during the week Or are you staying a while Or what's happening
15: um, No So we're going to An NBA game In Madison Square Gardens And um, We might be doing A TikTok video Or an Instagram video Outside the stadium as well um, And then Obviously We have to go out tonight just To celebrate Performing for the president Being on uh, American TV And then we're flying home Tomorrow evening then
1: OK, all right. Well, listen, we're so we're so proud of you all, but we're particularly proud of our Corkman, Seamus. <laughs> Great to chat with you and safe travels and, and continued success for Cordia. It's a wonderful project.
15: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.
1: That's Seamus Morrison from Cordia. Uh, he was treating from a doorway in Times Square in New York. Like, that's, that's called doing on the fly. All right. It was, of course, Babylon's the song. David Gray, two tickets to see him in June at Musgrave Park to Rachel Ryan from Talker. We'll have another pair of them on the show tomorrow when we're back just after nine.
12: Can we just talk?
3: The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register
10: at corkcitymarathon.ie.